You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. We are back on The Pipeline Show. My only guest this week as we continue on with the Ask the Commission segment. Uh, that makes, makes it a, a CJHL uh, Insider segment. The CHL Insider is usually brought to you by the store next door out in Nova Scotia, in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, turning your broken hockey sticks into some uh, really cool products for your fan cave or your sports bar uh, and employing people with disabilities. That's the store next door. .ca. Uh, go out and check out what they can do for you. Uh, my guest today, as we continue on with Ask the Commission, is the commissioner of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. That's uh, Kim Davis. Uh, Kim, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm doing really well. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, you know, obviously middle of July here or whatever, latter part of <laughs> July. It's, uh, uh, it's nice to, you know, be kind of in the middle of the summer and enjoying some some time off and uh, and what have you, but uh, it won't be long before we're back at it again. It's funny because I've been talking to several commissioners or, or people who run leagues uh, over the course of this month, and what I'm quickly finding out is even though it's an off-season for the teams and for the players and, and for to some extent media guys like me, there's not a whole lot of off-season for someone in your position. Uh, this is a 12-month-of-the-year a job, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, and... Uh... Um, and particularly in, you know, in this day and age, uh, you know, maybe 20 years ago, um, it wasn't quite as, as intense as it is now in, in the summer, but the summer is certainly a, a lot less, uh, intense, if I could use that word again, but, but it, but it's still, there's lots of, there's lots of things to do, mostly planning and, and scheduling type things for the upcoming season. And, uh, there isn't really a whole lot of time off. Uh, you know, if, you, if a person can get a couple of weeks uh, of holidays, uh, I think they're doing quite well, and I've always managed to do that. But you're always kind of on call as well if there's uh, inquiries that come up uh, and, and various other things that might be uh, might be on uh, on the agenda. So, anything specific you've been dealing with here in the last month or so? Um, no, uh, not. It's actually been fairly quiet this summer in our league, um, and, um, and which is good because I think it gives everyone an opportunity. Uh, you know, my interpretation of that is that the people that we deal with, the coaches and, and general managers typically, and, and the marketing people in some cases as well, they're, they're taking a little bit of time to, uh, to take some holidays because it, it's really important as, as we discussed a moment ago, it's a pretty intense game and it's very important. Uh, and a lot of, and a lot of important decisions get, you know, get made by, by the people running our clubs and, uh, and then the league office as well. So it's, pretty good to get a break so that's why i'm interpreting the quietness uh, we haven't had a, a great deal of uh controversy of any kind really over the course of the summer which is which is nice that is nice for sure all right let's get to know the mjhl a little bit uh what were some of the highlights sure. for your team for your league last year uh, some of the things that stand out for you well uh you know a couple of things uh, we, we've had for quite a number of years um you know, a really a really balanced league uh, in terms of the on-ice play and um, that certainly was a big, uh, uh, you know, a major theme of our league this year. We, um, you know, there there were, you know, when the, when the playoffs started, there was probably six teams that had a legitimate chance at, uh, at uh, you know, competing for the, the championship. And, and as it turns out, we had one team that, that has, has been in the final quite a bit in the last 10 years and another team that hadn't ever been in the final. And so, you know, Swan Valley being in the final was was just a great, uh, I think, uh, performance on their part, and really energized that community as you know going forward. So you know, we're hoping for you know a great sort of repeat season from them uh, coming up, and and of course the Portage Terriers had a great season as well, and and 
you know, the the final of our league uh, was probably the highlight. Uh, you know, it went seven games, and and in the seventh game, the game went into overtime. So, I mean, we, we hadn't had that in 23 years where, where we had that type of a final, and so it was unbelievably exciting and for everybody involved, whatever whatever side you were cheering for, if you were a fan, but just certainly for the league office and our staff here, uh, it was just a, a great uh, a great for us to witness that, and, and it really. Uh, really was a big theme of, of, of our playoff season. The other, the other uh, thing I think that would be uh, important to know is that we had um, um, kind of the resurgence of the way we scaffold Wolverines who had had a couple of really bad years prior, uh, both on and off the ice, but they really rebounded and, and really, you know, had a, had a, a very good season and, uh, you know, made the playoffs and, uh, and it really, I think turned things around as it relates to, uh, what they're doing in their community and, and the type of operation they're building. And then the other, the other thing of note is we had two teams change hands in terms of ownership. And so it's, um, that's the Winnipeg blues and the ocean blizzard. So it's really going to be exciting to see how those two new ownership groups, um, you know, make their, make their, their imprint on, on the league going forward here. So, uh, um, you know, always we have great performances by players too. And, um, you know, we certainly had that again this year with uh, particularly, you know, some younger players in our league, uh, like Owen Murray, a defenseman in Portage, a 16-year-old player who just really stood out uh, and, and was a, a tremendous uh, breath, fresh, young uh, air in our league. And, uh, um, you know, overall, we just had a, you know, a, a real, a real solid season. Kim, uh, I want to ask you about those Portage Terriers. As you mentioned, uh, quite the run they've been on. I believe it's eight championships in the last 12 years. That is uh, a significant, uh, not just a hot streak, but, uh, you, you, I mean, we talk about dynasties in sports. That is a pretty mm-hmm. significant uh, uh, run of success. What is it about uh, what's happening in Portage that, that's led to that much success? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you know, people in my position, we don't, you know, we don't get to know the ins and outs of, of, of how teams operate and what have you. But, but, but I can say, um, you know, just at, from my vantage point, if you will, you know, they're an organization that, that they just, they just do, they just have a really disciplined manner and way about doing their business, both off ice and on ice. And, um, you know, they're committed to a high standard. And I think, you know, just generally the players that, that they recruit, they come in and they get that message fairly quickly. And so if, if the, if the players that the new players that are recruited, uh, adjust to that, to that standard, whatever that sort of that culture and standard is, then they'll, um, you know, they'll embrace it and they'll have success. And if the, if those particular individual players don't, then they're usually, uh, replaced with others that will. So uh, I just think that it's, you know, they, they, they just stick to their, their system and their process for recruiting players and, uh, and training players and coaching players. And it's, it's a method that seems to be working. And again, you know, that's just a general comment. That's kind of what I, what I see. Um, you know, I guess the, the opposing view would be, you know, sometimes there's teams in, in, you know, leagues across the country, including ours that, you know, if things don't go right after a short while, they, they make a change here or they make a change there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for stability and consistency and and just working your plan year after year. Now, again, uh, you know, that's not saying a whole – that's that's a, very, a fairly general uh, perspective, I, I would say. 
but that's how I, that's how I view that organization. They, you know, they're just very stable. Um, they, they, they have good solid methods. Otherwise they, they wouldn't be successful and, and they, they consistently apply them. Now there, I mean, it's 11, an 11 team league. It's up to the other 10 teams yeah. to knock them off that perch. But from the outside looking in, is it, or maybe from your perspective, is it a, a bad thing mm-hmm. to have one team that's so dominant? Um, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing per se. I mean, you know, um, you mentioned the, the championships that the, 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 the Terriers have won over, you know, 12 or 15 years. I mean, th- those, those teams have all been different, made up of different players. You know, I mean, there, there might be a couple of years consecutively where there's where there's uh, a lot of the same roster. Right. But by and large, the rosters for every team in the league change significantly from year to year. So, you know, the fact that that um, that they've been successful is probably all the more remarkable, but all the more reflective of the comments I made, I, I believe. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it, it, it's a competitive league, and, and it's up to the other teams, as you referenced at the outset of the question. It's up to the other teams to to respond to that, and, and they do. Like they, you know, we've had some big battles. I mean, I, sometimes what what people don't see when when they look just at the numbers is they don't see you know the, what took place to get that. And mm-hmm. there, even though Portage has won some some you know a fair number of uh, championships. They haven't been easy, and I think they'd be the first ones to admit that. Some of them, he could have went another way, like like last year. I mean, you know, Swan could have easily been the champion, you know, going into a game seven and the game went into overtime. So, um, you know, uh, again, just to, you know, as you mentioned, uh, it's up to the other teams to respond. And I think they there's a there's a healthy degree of uh, of uh, competitiveness competitiveness amongst the both the owners of the other teams and the, the coaching staffs and the players too. So, Kim, when did you uh, assume the role of commissioner of the league? Um, it was um, it was in uh, 2002. So I'm in my 18th year. Okay. And uh, it, you know, it's been you know, I, I've, I've over the course of the summer, I've met some friends of mine that I haven't seen uh, for you know several months. Uh, I usually see them in the summer. And not during the winter, and uh, we had discussions about that, and they just looked at me with wide eyes. They couldn't believe that it had been that long. And uh, um, you know, it, it's um, when I think back on it, and and particularly um, in one of the comments you made earlier. I mean, there's been a lot of change in the game over this over this time frame, and, and even you know even before that, um, if you look back at the last 20 years of, of of hockey at the high levels, including ours and 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 beyond, into the NHL. There's been a lot of change, um, not just on the hockey side, but you know how, how technology has um, uh, improved and infiltrated the game. And mm-hmm. I, I don't mean I don't mean to use the word infiltrate in a negative connotation at all. It's a very positive, but just the just the the uh, the influence of, of technology, for example, on on the game in that over the course of my career uh, in, in the in the game here with the MJHL has been quite remarkable and uh but yeah for me it it has been uh this is my 18th year and it's been a long uh it's a long it's been a long uh, road and a, and a good road but uh i'm looking forward to this upcoming season again though for sure the mjhl is uh one of 10 leagues that make up the uh, canadian junior hockey league we've had uh the the uh Commissioner of the CJHL on uh, earlier this month, and uh, one of your counterparts from Saskatchewan and Bill Chow, he was on uh, a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago as well. 
Every league seems right. to have their own unique characteristic about them, and and I, I'm sure across the country, I mean, there's so much uh, differences, uh, just uh, in a lot of spectrums across the country. What, what makes the MJHL mm-hmm. unique? What sort of specific uh, uh, challenges do you have? I mean, obviously, one of them is you got a giant lake that takes up about a third of the province. Uh, but <laughs> outside of that, um, I mean, what what sort of things uh, make your league different? Well, you know, um, I, there's a couple things, and, and I don't know how significant they are, but but the things that I think of, I mean, w- one thing that that um, um, uh, that I think helps in our league is that, you know, um, and and it, and it's and it's a major focus of of sort of the, the everyday life of of people in Manitoba. Like we've got 75 percent of the population living in Winnipeg in this mm. province, uh, and and. And there's there's definitely uh, a rural urban dichotomy in the province, uh, and sometimes it, it it takes on negative uh, connotations. Uh, often it does, I would say, um, both you know in the political context and and just in you know other activities that people engage in. Uh, as it relates to our league, I mean, within within uh, we have one team in Winnipeg, and my office is in Winnipeg. I operate in Winnipeg here. Um, with it with within a, a radius of a couple of hours, we've got, you know, 80% uh, of, of our league, you know, maybe within three hours. So, you know, most of the games that occur are within sort of this, this, you know, the hub of Winnipeg and not that Winnipeg is the hub, but I guess in some respects it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that, that when, when uh, with most of our games, uh, you know, players uh, and, and the buses that go out to play in say Dauphin or, or Erden or Nipua, the players are back in their own bed, whether they're billet, in a billet home or in their own parents' home uh, nightly, which is a good thing. Now there are some road trips. So the, the road trips and the travel, uh, they, they happen up to the north teams and, and, and when the north teams, teams come down south. But by and large, most games, players are back in their own bed on a nightly basis, which, is, which makes it more appealing, I think, to, uh, to, to young players you know, when, they, when they know that. So, so that's certainly you know, one team. Um, you know, and just in terms of uniqueness, I, I, I think, you know, we're kind of in the middle of the country, right? I mean, you know, that's always the way I look at it anyway. And, and uh, people in Manitoba are, and, and, and it's the same I, I find with, with uh, you know, with our hockey teams here in our league. Um, we, uh, we're people that don't rock the boat necessarily too much, you know. We, we're kind of mediators. We kind of bridge the gap between uh, points of view from the west and the east of the country. The same kind of thing happens in hockey. Um, we're, you know, Manitoba people are, you can count on them. And, and, and you can think about that in the hockey context. The players that play in our league are, they're just, they're just tough minded people. They, they're, they're not necessarily the most flashy, although there are some great skilled players in our league too, but they're people you can count on to get the job done on a nightly basis. And that's really the way that the teams operate too. They're, they're not flashy. They, they know what they have to do and they do it. And, uh, you know, it's not maybe necessarily a recipe for Hollywood per se, but uh, it's something that, that's dependable and consistent and you know what you're getting with them every night. So that's, that's kind of what the league's like too, you know, like it and, and how we operate the league. Uh, we, uh, we, um, you know, just, just take that sort of consistent approach and, you know, do the same things that work every night, every, every day. 
Uh, I know some of the the rules across the CJHL are uh, slightly different from league to league. How many uh, overage players a, a team can have can vary from league to league. Some leagues have a draft. Some are based on recruiting. Uh, in those two aspects, uh, what are the the uh, the policies for the MJHL? Um, you know, that's a good question. We uh, we have a draft of fifteen uh, uh, year old players, so players that are entering their they're in their fifteenth year. Uh, so and so that's for Manitoba born players only. Um, so Bantam players, um, we have that draft at our ADM weekend every year. Uh, it's a six round draft. Uh, there's eleven teams, so there's roughly sixty six players uh, drafted every year. Uh, prior to the draft, there's also a uh, every team in the league is, allow- is allowed to auto protect uh, two pl- two draft eligible players from their own their own uh, footprint or their own region, uh, which is well defined. Uh, and so, yeah, those 22 players as well. Then there are the 88 players that are technically set aside in the in the draft component. On an annual basis, and those players typically form the basis of of the the roster of teams roughly two two to three years uh, after they're drafted. And um, so that's the, uh, the in a nutshell, that's the draft uh, that we have. And we've we've had the draft for probably close to fifteen years now. And uh, it's it's a it's a really uh, important part of uh, uh, and piece for each team in terms of building you know, strength uh, of their roster uh, year to year. And and it's been very successful. Um, I, I've been so impressed over that entire time at how um, professional and how diligent and dedicated the scouts that work for each of our teams are, just in terms of the, the, the work and the research they do over the course of the winter to prepare for the draft when we have it. It's it's really impressive. Uh, yeah, they just do tremendous work. Um as it relates to the roster component, uh, our league uh, it pr- permits uh, seven 20-year-old players yeah. to be on a team's roster, and um, and then the other uh, roster spots are are um, made up of. Uh, th- there's no limits on the other age uh, categories for the roster, ap- apart from uh, 16-year-olds, where all teams across the country are are, are uh, limited to two 16-year-olds. Right. Uh, I know, uh, certainly the, the BCHL, it's pretty prevalent. A lot of Americans, uh, end up or uh, players from across the country end up playing in the BCHL. We see a bit of that in the Alberta Junior League as well. Uh, how many, uh, non-Manitoba born players, uh, come to play in the MJHL? It, the, the rough uh, breakdown, um, for our league over, really over the last 12 to 15 years is that we have about 68% of the players on our rosters are Manitoba players. Okay. And then we have about, you know, 10% uh, from Saskatchewan. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of it would be, you know, Ontario, Alberta, BC, and some, and American players as well. The one, the one category that's kind of going up is, uh, is us, uh, born players. Um, it's not going up by leaps and bounds, but it's going up steadily on an annual basis. Uh, last year, I think we had like 40, you know, across the 11 teams, wow. 40 uh, U.S. players. I, I might be off a bit on the number exactly, but uh, certainly the number has been going up. Um, and um, but again, you know, apart from that, like there's there's you know a few from Quebec, usually some from the Maritimes, so, uh, some from Ontario, some from Alberta, some from BC. Uh, you know, in roughly equal numbers across, like BC and Alberta, there'd be more. And 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 some from Ontario, and then the others less so. 
Uh, that's that's the general sort of breakdown the, from a Manitoba point of view, which is our, our most the, the the number I look at as most important is it's been almost you know really steady at about sixty eight percent across for the last you know you know like say twelve years or so. Kim, uh, what's the relationship uh, between the MJHL and the Western Hockey League? Like, uh, there's for the longest time, it's just been the Brandon Wheat Kings, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong, Brandon, I think, is the biggest, or the second biggest uh, market uh, in the province, and, and now Winnipeg also has a WHL franchise. Uh, when you when you saw the uh, Kootenai Ice were moving to Winnipeg, did you wince a little bit, or uh, what's the relationship uh, like between the two leagues? You know, I, I think the relationship is good. Uh, I, I think it could be better, and, and the way I think it could be better is if there was more uh, active uh, dialogue and and, uh, and communication uh, between the league uh, uh, between the league offices in particular. Uh, and and the, the main reason for that is because you know both both leagues, you know, and not just our league, but the SJHL, AJHL, BC Hockey League, uh, we. Uh, we all have similar issues uh, as the Western Hockey League does because the players are roughly the same age, right? So, so there's a lot of things that we could all kind of learn from in terms of you know having some open dialogue with with our counterparts. Uh, so I think that's the one area where it, where it could be better. But it's not it's not a bad it, it's a good relationship. But certainly could you know I think there'd be room for it to make it even stronger. Um, you know as it relates to uh, um, um, the Kootenai Ice uh, relocating here with with the ownership group. Um, you know, I, I didn't win this really because to me, I, I think um, uh, first of all, they're a top notch top notch organization. Uh, they've had some lean years out in, in Cranbrook, but they uh, they're they're well managed. Uh, they have strong ownership, and the the the, the reason I didn't win is because they're a really good organization. And I think they're going to bring more notoriety to the game of hockey in in our market here in Manitoba, and that that's good for everybody, really. Uh, I, I believe, anyway. Um, the you know, much like we you know, we you and I discussed about uh, the Portage Terriers and the um, and the reaction that the other teams in the league have to their success. The same thing would apply in this in this case. I mean, uh, the, the teams in our league uh, at the junior A level have to improve. Their, their level of operation to uh, account for this new uh, entry in the market. And if, if they uh, accept that challenge and take to it and improve their operation, then, then they really have nothing to worry about. Um, the, the, the Western Hockey League team, whether there's one or two or five in this province, they're going to, they're going to operate the way they operate. They're, they're very positive in how they do things. And, uh, you know, I think that's what everyone else, including myself and, and the teams in the MJHL have to do as well. You know, I mean, it's, uh, um, you know, and, and even strictly at, at the sort of the street level, like put it that way, I mean, any any team, you know, they only have 20, 20 22 players. I mean, so, yeah. you know, once they've got their team, there's lots of other players out there, to, you know, that, that can be recruited and, 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 and uh, encouraged to, to, to play. So, uh uh, you know, sometimes I think people make too much out of out of those sorts of things. So, Kim Davis is the commissioner of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. My guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, speaking of the uh, the um, Major Junior Loop, um, some news out in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League about a, a hazing incident a couple of years ago, and there's been occasionally uh, that has uh, sprung up uh, in uh, different sports as well. And I think in this day and age, I think everybody is uh, on 
on the same page that hazing is there's no place for it anymore. I know your league had an incident back in 2011 that you had to deal with. Uh, what's the league's policy when it comes to hazing now? I know when you you uh, uh, find, uh, I believe it was like five grand or something like that, and uh, a bunch of suspensions that were handed out. Um, looking back on it now and, and moving forward and how that establishes sort of a league policy, what is the policy if, if something like that were to happen again? Um, you know, our policy is, you know, essentially a, a zero tolerance policy. Um, and, and that's very much in keeping with, uh, you know, the Hockey Canada uh, regulation regarding the, this type of activity, uh, which is, which is basically the same. I mean, there is a zero tolerance for it. And, and, you know, if there are, um, um, uh, incidents that that uh, that go against the regulation and, and the policy that the league has, then then you know there's severe sanctions that that uh, that could result. And um, you know, so so that's and we we've made that very very clear to each of the teams right from the outset of this the most recent incident that you talked about, which is obviously quite some time ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having said that, uh, on a on a practical uh, basis, we. Um, since uh, since 2011, we've uh, implemented a um, a, um, a program whereby um, um, we, we source materials from the Red Cross, who are who are very skilled in in uh, uh, communicating the, um, uh, the the pitfalls of, of that type of activity that that typically sports teams engage in. And so, each team in our league is required to. Uh, present those materials to their team, their roster, uh, annually um, during the preseason. And uh, further to that, and, and there's probably, um, there's two or three different methods they can do it. They can do it either through a PowerPoint presentation or, or just have an in-person meeting with their, with their players. Obviously, you know, the, the PowerPoint would be in person as well. But um, it, it's very clear that they're supposed to, um, Present that material to their to their players and and emphasize the zero tolerance and the, the serious repercussions that could happen, and then in addition to that, the the head coach and the governor of the team are required to sign an affidavit uh, stating the date and the time that they held the meeting and that the players were duly informed, and then that that affidavit is uh, stored with the league office uh, annually, and so. We've had full compliance from uh, each of our teams every year since uh, since 2011, and obviously, you know, when we when those types of incidents occur, uh, sometimes they they you know uh, they sneak up on you in the sense that you know I think organizations and, and we were guilty of it. We got complacent, and uh, but but we're not complacent any longer, and you and you need to just stay on top of it, you know, and. I, I don't know a whole lot about the the, uh, the Quebec uh, incident that you discussed. I, I heard just very very briefly about it, but mm. and and I don't want to presuppose or, or stick my neck in anywhere where it doesn't belong. But but um, you know I, I think again it's the type of thing that if you get complacent you can you can run into trouble and 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 you just can't afford to do that. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, all right, we opened it up to some uh, fan questions. We got a handful. That have come in. Uh, let's start with uh, Tyler. Tyler's actually the voice of the uh, Brooks Bandits in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. But uh, big, okay, I know you know Tyler. I know Tyler. Yep. All right. He says uh, he'd love to know the long term vision for the SJHL slash MJHL showcase since it keeps expanding. Uh, he he wants to know: Do you uh, want it to keep getting bigger and bigger? Um, you know, um, 
it, it's something that Bill Chow and I have talked about, and we, we would like it to, to, to get bigger. Uh, you know, we, we haven't sort of sketched out a roadmap as to exactly what that would include, but, uh, but I can say that we have extended an invitation to the AJHL the past two years to join us at the event, and they've, they've declined, although they've been very uh, seriously uh, contemplating it um, uh, for this for this most recent upcoming uh, 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 event, which is in January of 2020. So beyond that, um, um, you know, we we haven't uh, looked too much further. But you know, it would be great to have a it would be great to have you know maybe like a six league event. And again, I'm just picking this out of the air. It's not something that Bill Chow and I have discussed specifically, but we we both have said that we would like to make it bigger and. Obviously, you know, the AGHL would be a, would be a great uh, addition because of their proximity and also just the quality of the league that uh, and the players that, that are playing in it. So what is the showcase? What is it all about? Well, it's about pro- providing an opportunity um, for uh, two groups, really. First of all, um, uh, the youngest players in our league. So we have a, a, an, eight, an 18 and under component, which is one team from each league. Okay. And then in our case, in our case for the past two years with the SJHL and ourselves, we've had two teams of uh, 19 and 20 year old players. And, and the, the, the main focus for us was to provide a, a great competitive uh, event for young players in our league who are looking for an opportunity to advance to either major junior hockey or to college, uh, including NCAA and U sports. And then for, um, for the older players, if they've been overlooked up to the point at which they're at 19 or 20, particularly the 20 year olds, that this, this also gives them an opportunity to, to, to play in a very competitive event for a couple of days to see if they can garner some further interest from, from, uh, clubs at those levels. Okay. So it's, it's sort of an all-star game event where you have, uh, yes. Yeah. That, that's correct. We, we would select, you know, our coaches, we, we, we turn the, Turn the roster selection over to the coaches in our league, who, who, uh, whose role is to, you know, put together the best possible rosters uh, for, uh, you know, that from from the players to represent our league. Gotcha. Uh, I know there was uh, one question that came in. It mentions a, a player named Braden Bellania uh, from the Portage Terriers, and I looked him up. And first thing that stood out to me was 642 penalty minutes in 186 games. Uh, the question was asked uh, you about uh, this player. Uh, I think it's a bit of a loaded question. Uh, I imagine it's a, a name that's come across your desk several times. Uh, I know he's too old to play in the league now, so his junior eligibility is up. Maybe I'll ask the question just what your thought is on uh, the role of fighting. I, unless those are a lot of hooking penalties, I imagine he's dropped the gloves a few times. Um, the sport has evolved a lot. We, we're learning more and more about concussions uh, moving forward. We've seen some leagues really step up to try to get uh, headshots and fighting out of the league. Um, what, what's your stance on, on, on fighting? Is there, is there a role for fighting in junior hockey anymore? Um, you know, um, I, I, I think in some respects there, there, there is, but, but at the same time, um, and I've been a fervent supporter of this, we, we've got limits, uh, to the number of fights that, are, the, that a player can have, uh, both in terms of in one, in one single game, which is limited to one. And then over the course of the season as well, and so um, I think the, the 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 you know the uh, um, the, the notion of a fight is is an outlet for players, uh, you know, to to uh, uh, 
you know, get rid of some, some negative emotion, if you will, that, that re- results from the, the nature of the game and, and the contact and what happens in the, in a game. But, uh, you know, uh, we can't have it go back to the situation where it was on, uh, I'm just not getting the right word here, but where, where it was unlimited as to, you know, the, that type of activity. And so now we've got a limited and I think, you know, in our case, uh, which is, you know, across the country by virtue of the junior A supplement guidelines that we all participate in mm-hmm. and which I was, uh, you know, a major part in establishing about 10 years ago now, um, we, we've got to limit it to five uh, for the season. Uh, the, we are discussing at the national level with, with the CGHL of limiting that, lowering that. And, and I think it's, it's appropriate because if you look at the statistics, you know, fighting is going down. And, and really, if you look at in our case, you know, we've got roughly 250 players. I, I bet you there's 125 players that don't even have one fight. Yeah. So we're talking about, we're talking about an activity that only applies to a portion of the players in the league. So, you know, even if we lowered it, it it probably wouldn't have any impact at all on, on most of the players in the league. And then the other side of things, which, you know, again, I'm a strong proponent of in the last, you know, ever since the NHL, um, uh, changed the, the focus of their game to limiting or, um, getting rid of the the obstruction uh, uh, behaviors that, that players were engaged in, uh, the game has gotten better. It's gotten faster. Uh, players are, are, are allowed to skate now and use, you know, their, their skating speed and, and, and strength to, to make plays in, in, in a game. And that's, and that's filtered down almost immediately filtered right down to the, the junior A level and even below that. So we've got, in, in terms of the nature and the state of the game right now across north well, across the world really in this in this case the game is 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 just a tremendously fast skilled game with superior athletes that are bigger faster and stronger and more better conditioned uh they're they're better uh they're better they have better flexibility better is all the things you need to be a top athlete and uh so the game is better and so you know, the fact that we're even having a, a discussion about fighting is almost kind of, kind of silly in a way because it's, in my, in my view, it's almost an afterthought these days. Um, and I, and, and I could probably see, you know, maybe in 10 years, there won't be any, any fighting. Mm. I mean, players that come into our league now, let's say it's a 17 year old player. It doesn't matter what you pick any league. Uh, if you ask them, and I've done this with, with the teams in our league, cause we do preseason presentations to all our teams in person. If you ask a player that's 17, um, do you want to be the best fighter in the league as you enter the league? Mm-hmm. There isn't one of them that will say yes. Yeah. Not, not one. So it's not why players play the game. But uh, having said that, it, it does offer an outlet at times. And so, you know, if we closely manage it, I think it'll, it, it's not something that's going to uh, ruin the game. Uh, but it won't... Uh, you know, so I just think we just have to be just be mindful of that and, and keep monitoring it and keep keep on it. But uh, but the game is a lot better now than 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 it than it's ever been in terms of the quality for sure. Last uh, fan question to get to uh, it's about expansion. Now it's an eleven team league, so a little bit of uh, imbalance mm-hmm. there. Maybe twelve would be more comfortable. Uh, the, I guess the question yeah. is. Is the expansion in the future? What would you know? Would be the right fit? Uh, listener Brian even goes as far as saying, 
Uh, Kenora is, uh, now that's Kenora, Ontario, but they're part of the Manitoba mm-hmm. midget system. Would that be a fit for you guys? The uh, Kenora has been uh, a part of the MJHL in, in an earlier uh, iteration, for sure, although that's quite some time ago now. Um, in terms of uh, its location, it would be excellent, uh, for sure, I think. And, and there, you know, that question has come up at the board table from time to time. The, the, the biggest issue, though, is that um, it, it is in Ontario, and there is a league. Uh, you know, we have a counterpart league, the SIJHL, uh, in that uh, in that region. So, you know, they that that's you know uh, that's where they should be. If there were interest from an ownership group there, that's um, we, if a group wanted to join our league and play in that location, we would have to have the approval of the SIJHL, which right. you know. To me, is not likely, um, and you know, it's it's not something that we would pursue um, uh, in terms of taking the initiative on it. Uh, we obviously have to be respectful of of our counterpart league next door, but to the extent that uh, that we had the approval, and again, that's all hypothetical, then I, I think that's something that that could, that could be positively uh, positively embraced. And uh, but but we are uh, just as a league, we're we're actively looking at. Uh, you know, at some other markets uh, presently, and have been for the last 18 months or so, and we're hoping that uh, that that those can turn into something positive. But uh, there's nothing that's sort of imminent or anything of that nature, so I don't want to get people's uh, hopes up too too high. But there are there are some some communities that we are looking very very closely at, and we're hoping that over the course of the next maybe 18 months to two years that we could turn those into uh, into new franchises. Kim, last one uh, for you today, and I really appreciate your time. Sure. The CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, is is facing a class action lawsuit uh, from some uh, former players who are looking to get mm. uh, minimum wage payments and back payments and things like mm. that. I, I wonder, do you have any concerns of how that could trickle down to your league? I mean, your players are on buses as well, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure they they do community work as well, visiting schools and and read in week and and things yeah. like that. Do you have any concerns about the, what's happening at the major junior hockey league level and how that might filter down to other levels of amateur sport? Uh, yes, uh, for sure I do. And, and, you know, obviously we're, we're, um, it, it's a kind of a slow moving, uh, um, lawsuit, uh, as you know. Sure. I mean, not a lot, at least in terms of, you know, public, uh, disclosure has, has occurred. But we're, we're very interested in, in, in the outcome for sure. And, and we, you know, we are, uh, you know, in support of, uh, the CHL and their, in their stance, uh, uh, fighting and opposing it. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, if it were to go in the wrong direction, it would have an impact on the entire development system of hockey, including, you know, junior A hockey. So we're, we're very interested in the outcome for sure. Um, and, um, um, you know, if it were to go the wrong way, um, you know, against the, uh, the CHL, then, yeah, I think it would have a major Im- impact on on uh, the, the method by which uh, or the organizations that exist currently um, um, implement their programs for you know on behalf of the, of, the, of the players uh, you know that 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 aspire to this type of activity, right? So um, you know, and I you know I I kind of sort of try to think that through a bit in my head you know some days when i when i when i when i think of it but uh, i don't want to think too much about it because i i'm hopeful that it won't have won't happen that way but um obviously it would it would be you know again as i say if it, if it went uh, 
you know, in opposition to what the CHL is is arguing, then it would be uh, it would be a, a major change and a major transition that would occur for sure. And I, I don't know that in the short term it would be a good thing. Kim, I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the uh, the rest of uh, the quote unquote off season, and <laughs> I'm sure uh, maybe we'll cross paths uh, down the road. Yeah, well, I would really enjoy that, Ian. Uh, just feel free to contact me anytime if you want to have some further discussion. And uh, all the best to you this summer, and we'll probably be in touch with you during the winter. Excellent. Thank you very much. You bet. Yeah, take care. That was Kim Davis, the commissioner of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, by request uh, from you, the listener. And I appreciate all the questions that did come in. And uh, there was a lot about that one player with who had a ton of penalty minutes. And I put a, a bit of a spin on it because I, I didn't know that if there was a backstory there or not. I Somebody tweeted a picture of uh, the two of them on the ice uh, with a trophy presentation. And it felt like a loaded question to me. So I just put a spin on it a, a little bit. But take it for what it is. Uh, and uh, I thought that was a fun interview. And I, I enjoyed that conversation with Mr. Davis. And uh, look to have him on again down the road. That does it for this week's episode of the show. Next week the final episode of season 14 couple of uh, interviews already confirmed uh, these will be potentially the last two guests of season 14 two more ask the commission segments josh fenton the uh, commissioner of the nchc uh, conference of the ncaa will join me as will mark frankenfeld who's the uh, president and commissioner of the north american hockey league those two uh, are confirmed Still an open invitation for uh, Tom Garrity uh, from the USHL to come on next week. But right now, it's just the, the NCHC and the NAHL uh, that are confirmed. Reminder, uh, thanks to everybody who has signed up to be a patron. All the interviews that you, or most of the interviews that you hear on the uh, episodes, the weekly episodes of the Pipeline Show, you'll be able to hear those interviews uh, early with early access. So that's one of the perks of signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. A couple of bucks a month is what is all it takes to get that early access pass. And I appreciate that everybody who has signed up uh, to do that and help uh, support the show. After next week, one week off as uh, the family and I go uh, on a camping trip. And then we come back. Season 15 kicks off right away. By then, the Ivan Holinka tournament will be, uh, I guess, basically complete. And the Summer Showcase uh, will have uh, been wrapped up as well, so we'll be able to get right into WHL team previews, putting a, a bit of a different spin on that this year, as I've been uh, last number of years, uh, I think almost every year, going back almost a decade, it's been the play-by-play guy for each team. Going to change that up a little bit. You can always follow me on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy, and uh, by then I'll be able to probably tell you exactly what we're doing in terms of the WHL team previews. That's probably the, the way I'll, I'll uh, announce it. Uh, also, I just finished the new intro for season 15 as well. I don't know if you guys, if, if you, uh, the, the audience cares much about the intro. Uh, it's always been a source of pride for me uh, putting that together. And I actually really like the one that I've got for season 15 now set up. I might put that on early access uh, for, on the Patreon page as well. So uh, patrons will have a, a sneak peek at that. Look for that in the next uh, day or two, I would think. All right, but I got to go. So next week, a couple of interviews for sure, maybe a third, and then we'll wrap up season 14. Until next week, get out and enjoy some summer. I'll talk to you next week. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya.